snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture and writers in China and around the globe. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors. This is Ink and Quill. I'm your host Zhang Wan, right here in Beijing. Dear listeners, what you're hearing is a song by Chinese singer Li Jian. The first line goes like this: "Taking a look at you for a split second." I will never forget your face. Well, the lyrics might be an exaggeration, but it's true that some of us could remember a face for years, no matter how brave the encounter was. But for the rest of us, sometimes it's not an easy task to place a name to a face. But why are some people so terrible at faces, whereas others are exceptionally good? How can we tell apart the faces of loved ones from that of a complete stranger? And most important of all, are we programmed to distinguish faces? To find out the answers in today's Ink and Quill, our reporter Shi Yu goes to cognitive psychologist Hua Sha. His popular science book *Kanlian*, literally meaning "Read the Face" in English, was selected by China Book Review Society as the best book of the month in November 2016. Mr. Huang, nice to have you on the show. I know you are a cognitive psychologist, and your specialty is face perception. What's so fascinating about face? Okay, so I need to start from two points.、Mm-hmm. First, as a psychologist, I have to say face is very special. Face is one of the most complicated stimuli or complicated kind of information in our life, because on one face there's so much information over there. If we can、uh, grab a lot of information from one face in a very short period of time, it requires a lot of the brain structure to function and to process such amount of information. Therefore, using face as a window, we can easily understand the general structure and the information processing in the brain. Mm, so face is just like the diamond on the crown of psychology. As a normal people, face is indeed interesting as well.、Uh, we need to read a lot of faces every day. If you go into the subway station, you might see thousands and hundreds of faces. You might see famous or not so familiar faces on advertisements. You might meet familiar person, or you might. Just to see a lot of strangers, but even though they're strangers, you can tell their gender, age. Maybe you can have a very good guess of their occupation and、uh, their personality as well. Wow, that sounds a big deal. But I mean, when we were kids, we were often told by others that we should not judge people by their appearance. So if someone they make quick social judgment based on strangers' faces, automatically we will regard them as, you know, shallow human beings. But in your book, read the face. Apparently, judging people by appearance seems to be something woven deeply inside our DNA. Could you elaborate more? Okay, I might need to quote a very famous researcher. As they say that we have stereotype is just for stereotyping. Which means we do judge people from their appearance, but it doesn't necessarily mean 
what we can judge from their face is the fact we may say that uh, stereotyping might tell us some information. This information is indeed important, even though most of the time they're just wrong. Because, you know, when we just encounter another person, mm -hmm. the information are limited. Yeah. But without a proper ensemble of the guideline to behave and to interact with him or her, it might be catastrophic. Mm -hmm. Because we need to behave, we need to talk, we need to social with other person, right? So this kind of a stereotype might give us a usable, might not be correct, but a usable guideline to cooperate, to talk, to social with other person. So, correct me if I'm wrong, having a facial perception, no matter is incorrect or correct, it could attribute to personal communication. Yes, because when we just encounter a stranger, the information is limited. We need to find a way to cooperate, to talk, to social with him or her. So we might need to grab as much information as possible. So the biggest source of the information might come from his or her face. Mm. Apparently, this kind of way might be problematic and full of error. However, it's still usable. But it's like a protection system. Yeah. Maybe the standard is very harsh. However, it can easily protect us from any possible problem. Mm, and I think one thing this protection system does is to help us to identify people. Why there are some people so talented at recognizing faces, but the rest of us are not? On any ability on a person is always like a spectrum. It's just like someone is good at math, someone is pretty bad at math. Mm -hmm. So some people is pretty good at face and some other people are pretty bad at face. But unlike those functions, the face perception might be a little bit uh, complicated because in our brain we have acquired some circuits, I mean neural systems, specifically for face perception. Well, I'm afraid different people's brains are indeed different from each other. Indeed, but sometimes, you know, we will encounter people who claim themselves to be suffering from face blindness. But this face blindness, is a vision problem? Some sort of disorder in brain? Or is it just some catchy phrase we come up with? Actually, face blindness is, is a very important area in face research. Face blindness, or we should say, in the psychology term, is called prosopagnosia. Mm -hmm. It's about a specific problem about difficulties in telling face identity or memorize other face identity. Uh, face identity is actually linked between this face and this specific person. Mm -hmm. uh, this is actually indeed a problem. Actually, about 2.5% of the population are having the prosopagnosia, the face blindness. It's wow. actually a common problem. The face blindness is not just like a bad memory or bad mood. It has nothing to do with the general memory. The people with face blindness could still easily memorize poem, a color. They don't have any difficulties over there. They just have specific problem in face, even though maybe in some extreme conditions, they cannot memorize their own face. Wow. It's actually a neural issue. It's mm -hmm. what I say that. We have a lot of neural circuits, neural systems for face perception, but some part of the neural circuits are not going very well in their brain. So is there any solution to help them in daily life? Well, because we not fully yet understand the information processing in these neural systems, 
so far we could not find a very good way to help them to recover this kind of face perception ability like normal person, neurotypical person. However, they can actively using other traits or other kinds of uh, information to memorize other people, such as hair color, voice, maybe the hair style, and maybe some other parts, but not on the face. They can recognize other people, but uh, not by the face alone. Well, nevertheless, most of us could recognize others by looking at their faces. But there is something quite interesting, because in your book, you mentioned about we could identify our families or loved ones under different circumstances, for example, in a crowd of people or from a distance, and we take this skill for granted. But how do we do that? Let me start from the uh, neuroscience perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be easier. In any kind of the neural processing, so as I said, it's information processing, there are two ways. One is a cortical way and one is subcortical. Cortical is about mostly about, the, let's say, the surface of the brain, so it's more developed. And subcortical way is indeed inside of the brain, very deep, very ancient pathway. When we are telling someone we love, on the uh, cortical pathway, the information just... Uh, went as well, just a stream information. Mm-hmm. When we saw a face, actually we're not just process the whole face. We decode the face into our kind of the information that our brain system can easily process. Therefore, we decode the face into multi-dimensional matrix, such as the distance between the eyes, the distance between eye and mouth, mm-hmm. the size of the eye, size of the mouth, skin color, the length of the face, etc., etc. So they are actually, uh, each of them are on a specific spectrum. And if we cooperate all the spectrum together, it might be a multiple dimension uh, map. So every face has its own coordinate on this specific map. And therefore, after decoding the face into a matrix, we can easily compare it with the stored face in our memory, face memory. And if this too much, we might find this is someone we know. This is cortical pathway, but on the subcortical pathway, the face we know might have a specific pattern of the face. We can easily recognize that kind of pattern, and then it might activate a lot of the neural system in our brain about uh, relationship like uh, amygdala and insula, this kind of the regions which has some connection about emotion feeding uh. so after seeing a familiar face these regions might be activated as well like the reward system like the other systems as well mm. so you might have a specific feeling about them right after seeing them yeah but the face of strangers fails to do that but not only strangers we also find it difficult in recognizing foreigners in your book apparently it is a common problem that many people are facing today, and you name it as the other race effect. Could you share us more about it? Well, um, first, because we're not familiar with the other race, right? Let's say if you're living in China, you might not be familiar with the Caucasian faces, yeah. the foreigner faces. It's not like what movie told you, which is the brands are not fully worked, only 10% of the brand are working. That's not true. Every part of the brain are functioning. Therefore, every part of the brain are actually struggling for more space. Mm -hmm. For example, we are living in China. So our 
face processing system are accommodated to Chinese person's face. Mm. When we encounter a foreign face, which indeed have has a huge difference than Chinese face, might not be fully decoded in a proper way because it's just like a ruler. This ruler is specific for this kind of measurement, so it might not be able to measure something too big. The difference is too big to me- to be measured in the Chinese person's brain. So, is there any way to prevent or? Or minimize this kind of other face effect oh, for us. Actually, it's doable. If you are living in China, your just judgments are accommodated to Chinese person. So, if you stay, you have some Caucasian friends, or maybe just living abroad,、mm. make friends over there. So, by making friends, you are accommodated to their faces. So, your brain system might be able to process and decode their face in a proper way. So you need to give time to your brain to adjust to the new environment, or just train your brain. Indeed, indeed, this is so called the plasticity of our neural system.、Mm-hmm. Our neural system has its own plasticity, and this is a very good example for that. Okay, so it means we have like a ruler for Chinese face and foreign faces, but do we have a ruler for facial attractiveness? Oh, attractive is quite a complicated thing, because. As we know, that everyone has his or her own judgment of attractiveness. Yeah.、Uh, however, we might have some consensus in the same time. So far, we have some guidelines for attractive face.、Uh, first one is symmetry and asymmetry. So, if the face is more symmetry, is more beautiful to look at, because the symmetry might somehow link with your gene. Your ability to persist from the pathogen and、uh, this kind of diseases.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, a more symmetry face might indicate better gene, better health, and well, symmetry itself is beautiful to look at. A second one might sound a bit controversial. It's called averageness. I mean, this average doesn't mean that mediocre. It、mm-hmm. actually means a collection of all the merit traits together. Mm. So if your face is more average, is more average on any perspective, you are more attractive to look at. For example, this kind of average is just like some people have big eyes, some people have small eyes. You just have an average size eyes, which is not too left, not too right,、uh, it's not too nothing too much. That's attractive as well. But symmetry and average might not explain everything. Otherwise, the supermodel should look exactly the same. <laughs> Apparently, it's not. Uh, there are some other factors as well, like skin color. A certain degree of yellowness on the screen might indicate good health,、mm. so that's important as well. There's another important factor is called the sexual dimorphism,、mm-hmm. about how manly or how girly you look like. For female, more feminine your face looks like,、uh, the more attractive you look like. But for male face, it's a bit complicated. It depends on the judger herself. Maybe someone prefer more masculine face. Some might prefer feminine face.、Mm-hmm. So indeed, from this point, we can see that your personal judgment might affect your perception of the facial attractiveness. So it's safe to say the average faces are attractive, but very attractive faces probably are not very average. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that sounds like a riddle or something. That was Shi Yu talking with your psychologist Hua Xia, author of the science book *Kanlian*, or in English, *Rate the Face*. 
As he points out, face is one of the most important sources of information in our daily life. To a great extent, facial features make us decide whether someone is attractive, trustworthy, or intelligent. But there is so much more that a person's face can tell. Let's find it out after this short break. Explore the life of great wordsmiths. Share their stories beyond the pages. Ink and Quill brings you the voices of writers and book lovers. Years ago, I watched an American crime drama called "Lie to Me," in which the protagonist could actually tell whether someone is lying or not just by simply looking at their faces. Have you ever watched that show? Oh yeah, I've watched that one years ago. It's a fascinating show, but、uh, most of it, most of it is just like a TV drama. I have to say that it's on the TV, so you cannot trust everything. Inside, actually, we cannot tell the like the micro expression that so well. Okay, it's impossible. But with the help of a machine, maybe we can do so. I remember there's one line that constantly repeated by the protagonist. Basically, he said,、mm-hmm. "The truth is written all in our faces." It means our facial expression cannot lie. But I was wondering, does it have any scientific footing? Well, I have to say that what he said is actually the、uh, psychologist Paul Axman's theory, which is the micro expression might tell you what this guy is really thinking of, what his really emotion. I couldn't possibly comment on this. The result is a mixed. So some say that it is. Some say that even though it is, it's very hard to. Really tell the micro expression. There is such kind of thing as micro expression, but it's indeed hard for us to decode it. It is fragile, and you might not even be able to tell it. Your belief might somehow jeopardize your judgment of the other person's micro expression.、Mm-hmm. If you have a strong feeling about someone, his or her face is actually hard to read. I mean, it's easy to read for you, but it's very hard to read on a Unbiased way.、Mm. If we really want to read the micro expression, we need to stand from unbiased point of view. But that's indeed hard. So, so making mistake about what we can learn, what we can read、mm-hmm. on someone else's face is is quite common. Quite Mis- common. But the mistake is still within a, a area within this range that we won't cause any problem. Like you said, it's difficult to detect one's emotion just by looking at their facial expressions. But Online, you can actually find a lot of so-called "how to read faces 101." I remember one of the examples is you can tell whether someone is lying if when you face them and their eyes wander around. Is it possible to do that to tell whether they are lying or not?、Um, that's actually possible. Actually, we we have a very complicated system for telling us like the eye direction and the facial expressions of others.、Mm-hmm. So we just we can just follow our gut feeling. That's good enough. If you really want to learn some basic techniques,、uh, I may say that you need to look at the eyes, because everyone knows we can fake an expression, but it's、yeah. very hard to fake the muscle movements around your eye region, eye region and eyebrow. That's my trick. A true expression might involve the eye region as well. Only on the mouth region might necessarily be a fake expression. So it's really difficult to surprise or conceal, you know, the expression around eyes, around eyebrows. Very true. It's very hard for normal person without training. But could we use the same technique to detect emotions from? I mean, do all the human being has you know similar facial expression?、Mm-hmm. 
That's a theory, but this theory has been challenged recently. Yes, most people do show、uh, a set of the basic expressions. We might understand each other's happiness, sadness, fear, anger,、mm-hmm. surprise. These kind of expressions we can tell them. But、uh, recently, some researchers like、um, uh, Rachel Jack and uh, uh, Philip Shin from Glasgow Union they challenge this theory. They say that even though we have the same expression, but one expression is more likely to be an ensemble of a lot of expressions. I mean, sadness. There are many ways to express sadness, right? Yeah. Even though they're all sadness, but most typical sadness of the Caucasian person might be indeed different from the most typical Asia sadness. So they still have its own difference, and some expressions might be hard to tell as well. The differences, such as fear and surprise. Generally speaking, is universal. I mean, from the most salient expressions like happy, sad, anger, very easy to tell, but.、Uh, Uh, surprise and fear might be a little bit hard to tell. So, if we are talking about some more subtle emotions, is kind of difficult、oh, to tell. Oh, there will be a huge cultural difference. The more subtle it is, which means it's a complicated emotion. It's not basic anymore. It's just like emotion, pride. It's very complicated. It might have its own cultural. Specific information, right? Yeah, there are a lot of culture aspect involved, but there are many people around the world. One said they feel they kind of feel that their dogs could tell how they feel. Is that true? The pets, I mean, specifically like dogs, they have been breeding by human beings for thousand years. They evolved in the same time when when we are petting them. I mean, from long term, actually, the dogs has this、uh, a sort of. Similar structure to tell the face, like human beings, they can tell our expression. They can even re- remember our faces as well, because just because they have the similar neural system, therefore they can do something we can do. I mean, not exactly the same, but they can do something similar. So they can tell your expression. Wow! So the ability of reading face and identifies、mm-hmm. is not exclusive to human beings. It's not exclusive to human beings. It might be. For any animal which needs a certain sort of a social interaction, they need to differentiate each other. They need to tell like the emotion and feelings of each other. All the primate animals like ching chimpanzees,、mm. macaque monkeys, or even the、uh, animal like a sheep, a lovely sheep, they can tell face as well. <laughs> really? They can memorize face. They can tell the emotion as well. Because a lot of people think sheep are pretty dumb. <laughs> Well, but on the face perception part, they're not so bad. <laughs> so they're pretty advanced in that. So it means any animals they、yeah. they need community, they could actually read、mm-hmm. face. But are they good at reading humans' face as reading face of their own species? Oh, apparently all of them are better in recognizing their same species face. For sheep, they can tell the human face and dog's face, but doesn't necessarily mean they can tell the. Very detailed differences between、uh, dogs and humans. They just need to make sure that this is a shepherd dog. So they need to go. This is human beings. So maybe we have the food because they have their limited brain. So it might not be very precise, but usable already. Wow, face perception. Now it sounds like a really complicated subject. So what do you want your readers to take away back home when they read your book? Well, I want to tell them is that even though we are pretty good at judging. The face identity, emotion, and、uh, like first impression, 
but don't rely too much on them. We, the reason we grab information from there is just because we have limited amount of information to have before we communicate. However, in our real life, we can readjust our judgment of the other person based on this kind of the real interaction, but rather than face alone. Mm-hmm. Face are important, face are usable, we have very good face processing ability, but not only rely on it. That was cognitive psychologist Hua Sha talking to Shi Yu on what we can learn from a person's face by just looking at them. Access to radars of all level of knowledge, his book Kanlian, or in English, Rate the Face, takes a surprising exploration into the wonder of a human face. On that note, it's time to wrap up today's program. Don't forget that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world, and we will keep you posted. To learn more about us, you can follow our Facebook account, China Plus, or simply download our podcast by searching the keyword Ink and Quill on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Zhang Wan. See you next time.